Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today here on the show, we're going to preview Wolves Bucks on Friday night, plus Wolves Pistons on Saturday. The first time we've seen the Detroit Pistons this season. Look, Looking ahead to uh, what to expect from both of those games and uh, what the Wolves need to do to emerge victorious against Detroit and Milwaukee. I also want to talk some Wolves notes at the end here, uh, some Wolves mentions in Zach Lowe's 10 Things article, and some ownership news. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Friday, happy weekend, everybody, and uh, happy game day. Whether you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, there's a, a game tonight, Friday, Wolves Bucks, and then Wolves Pistons Saturday, second half of a back-to-back. I want to preview both matchups in light of what the Wolves have done lately. What's most important for them to to do better against these two Eastern Conference teams in order to emerge victorious. Plus. A look at some Wolves notes here towards the end of the show. It's all upcoming on the show. Thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on either your Roku or your Amazon Fire TV. Uh, the app is available on both of those devices. And of course, you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. We haven't seen the Milwaukee Bucks since the first week of November, so I, I want to preview that matchup, what the Wolves need to do, what's most important to do against one of the best teams in the league, and then also Wolves-Pistons. We'll get to that in just a minute, but first, let's talk Bucks. So Milwaukee has actually lost uh, four consecutive games, um, and I mean, like, they're still one of the best teams in the league. This is a team that started the season, in fact, 8-0, their eighth win um, was against the Wolves. That was when Minnesota was 4-4. Four and four. I think it was November 4th was the first game between the two. Milwaukee started the season extremely hot. Um, they actually, they started 9-0. and they, The Wolves were their eighth straight win. They started 9-0. and uh, Most recently, as I mentioned a minute ago, they've lost four straight all on the road. This is their first home game after a five-game road trip. They beat New Orleans last Monday, uh, the Monday before Christmas, and then lost four consecutive Cleveland, Brooklyn, Boston, and Chicago. So a pretty difficult road trip, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and Boston being three of the other best teams in the East. And of course, Chicago, a team that's been underperforming, but they lost to Chicago in overtime the other night. And Drew Holiday missed that game. Holiday is questionable for the game against the Wolves on Friday, or excuse me, doubtful actually. So he's likely to miss his second consecutive game. So he did miss that Bulls overtime, the loss to the Bulls in overtime. Um, but those three other losses, again, against really good Eastern Conference competition came with Holiday on the floor. Uh, of course, Chris Middleton is still out. He's only played in seven games so far this season, um, and he will not play. He's out again on Friday. So no Middleton, obviously, is, is a big thing for Milwaukee. And assuming, you know, again, he's doubtful, assuming Holiday is not able to play. I mean, this is a winnable game for Minnesota. Um or it makes it more winnable, I should say. They're still six and a half point underdogs, according to our friends at betonline.net for this game. Um, so, you know, you look at Milwaukee as a whole. Again, no Middleton for all but seven games this season. Joe Ingles recently came back. He, of course, tore his ACL last year when he was still with Utah. And the Bucks acquired him in the offseason. He's only played in five games. Uh, he just came back a couple of weeks ago, really, I guess a little over a week ago. 
And so he's working his way to the rotation, averaging under 18 minutes a game off the bench for, uh, for, um, I almost said for Milwaukee, um, shooting just 19% from three. But again, that's across just five games. He's a career 40% plus shooter from deep. So he's four of 21 so far for his career. He's about 41% coming into the season. Um, and before the injury last year, he was down a bit. He was shooting just under 35%. But remember the year before that, he led the league at three point percentage at 45.1% with Utah just a couple of years ago. So um, Ingles ultimately is a really good fit for, for what Milwaukee does. But with no Ingles and no Middleton, they're really struggling to shoot the ball from the outside. And that's probably been one, certainly one of their weakest links this season. They still shoot a ton of threes because the inside out way that they play with Giannis, you know, driving and kicking and, um, you know, just that, like that's, that's how the bucks play. So they're still eighth in three point attempt rate, but they're only 21st at three point percentage. And no Middleton is probably the biggest thing. Obviously they were, they were planning on not having Ingles until about this time of the season. But, um, that's why he's on this team, right? Is to be able to add that that floor stretching ability. They've still got role players that are really good from deep. You know, Javon Carter played really well against the Wolves earlier this year. Brooke Lopez is shooting 39% for three. Grayson Allen always seems to hurt the Wolves. So they've got a bunch of role players that can support what Giannis does. Uh, but they've got some guys that are shooting below career averages from deep as well, like a uh, um, you know, George Hill, Pat Connaughton struggled from deep. Uh, Wesley Matthews is still a rotation piece. I can't believe he's still in the league, but at 36 years old, is still part of their rotation. Um, so I've got a bunch of guys shooting below career averages. And, and the biggest thing is a lack of Chris Middleton. In the seven games he played, he also struggled from deep. So um, one of the keys for the Wolves in this game is going to be to at least contest three-pointers and make life a little bit more difficult for Milwaukee from deep. Again, they've got enough guys that can shoot threes and they're going to get them up but at least make things a little bit more difficult by contesting the three-point shots, making them work for, you know, work for everything on the perimeter. All right, so the last two, the last time these two teams played, again, the first week of November, Giannis had a, a pretty easy triple-double, 26, 14, and 11. He had 20 free-throw attempts, but made just 10 of them in this matchup. Uh, for the season, by the way, um, Giannis is at 64.4% from the line, so it continues to be a struggle for him. But it was just 10 of 20 when these two teams matched up back in November. Um, Drew Holiday had a great game. And again, he's he's doubtful to play in this game. He had 29, 8, and 6 against the Wolves, hit four threes. And but the Bucks as a whole shot just a shade under 45%. There were 17 of 38 from deep. The Wolves struggled to to make life difficult from them beyond the arc. And that's going to be so important in this game. Again, they're going to get the attempts up. But as a 21st first ranked team when it comes to three-point percentage, can the Wolves keep them in that range, right? Can they keep them? similar to to where they've been shooting all season, which is 34.5% from three, instead of that 44 or 45% from three. If that happens, there's no way the Wolves are going to beat the Bucs. They have to contest threes, at least make things difficult for Milwaukee, get a hand in their face, uh, force them to think twice before launching an, you know, an open three. The second thing that's going to be really important is limiting second chance opportunities. Milwaukee's seventh in offensive rebound rate this season. They obviously do a lot of damage in the paint. Um, can do a lot of damage in the paint, mostly with Giannis. Um, he, he's the primary uh, person you got to be worried about down there to a lesser extent, Serge Ibaka at this stage in his career. But they've got guys who can score in the paint, Giannis being the biggest one. Um, and outside of Giannis, like they don't get to the line all that often. He's kind of the guy on the team that does that. He's averaging more than almost 13 free throw attempts per game. Nobody else in this team is averaging more than three free throw attempts per game. And Drew Holiday is the next highest at 2.9. Chris Middleton's the next highest at 2.7. So you take those guys out. Giannis is averaging almost 13 free throw attempts per game. Nobody else 
in the rotation that will be playing on Friday, unless Holiday plays, averages more than 2.2 free throw attempts per game. So if you can keep Giannis off the line, which you can't, but like to some extent, at least, you know, avoid following him, getting him to the line 20 times like he did the last time against Minnesota, then you should be okay guarding the rest of their team without getting into too much foul trouble or at least allowing too many free throw attempts. So number one is securing defensive rebounds. The Wolves continue to struggle there. They're still uh, like 26th in the league in defensive rebound rate. Uh, yeah, 26th in the league in defensive rebound rate. The Bucks are seventh in offensive rebound rate. So limit second chance points. The Wolves did an okay job against this, uh, 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 did an okay job at, at um, limiting second chance points against the Pelicans on Wednesday, but it was those big offensive rebounds late, especially the one by Dyson Daniels that led to the Zion free throw that was the go-ahead point in the final Pelicans possession that inopportune offensive rebound they allowed. They need to avoid that against Milwaukee. They also need to contest in the three-point line, make the the Bucks pump fake, you know, move the ball, at least make them move it side to side and make them think twice before launching threes. Um, those are going to be really important aspects of this game against Milwaukee. It's going to be a tough game. Again, they're six and a half point underdogs, the Wolves are. But with no Drew Holiday, this is a team that just lost to the Bulls on the road and has now lost four straight. So you better believe after this long five-game road trip, the Bucs are seeing this as a get-right opportunity against a Wolves team that's now lost four straight games for the first time this season. The Wolves are seeing this as a good team that's been down on their luck a little bit lately, similar to Boston exactly a week ago. And the Wolves gave Boston a run for their money before they ultimately lost. Can the Wolves do the same against the Bucs, but maybe close this thing out um, on Milwaukee's home floor? All right, I want to look at Saturday's matchup against the Pistons. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But no, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Lockdown Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Lockdown's take of the day. Lockdown Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, let's talk Wolves-Pistons. This is Saturday's game, but we uh, won't have the Saturday preview pod, and so uh, I want to cover it here now because we haven't seen Detroit all season. This is the only single digit win total team so far or to this point in the season. They're just nine and 28. The Pistons are, they are coming off of a win though. Uh, last time out, they beat Orlando by 20 points. Um, of course, the biggest story this season is Cade Cunningham is out for the year with shin surgery. He only played in 12 games and, you know, was scoring volume score, still not shooting the ball. Great. Uh, but showed promise. It continues to show promise as uh, you know, a, a a giant initiator offensively, right? With his size. And again, scoring acumen, scoring uh, natural scoring ability, even if it's not high efficiency. And without Cade, 
like Killian Hayes still hasn't shown the growth. I know there's still Killian Hayes truthers. I loved him as a prospect. I've been disappointed with his NBA career so far, but remember he's still painfully young. But Marvin Bagley III has been fantastic since they acquired him last season from Sacramento. He's questionable. Bagley's questionable for for Friday's game. The Pistons are also playing a back-to-back. Um, so we don't know yet if he'll be available Friday, much less Saturday. So I, it seems like a true 50-50 as of this recording that Bagley plays on Saturday. But he's been their best overall player. I think he's been much better in Detroit than he, has been, than he was in Sacramento. And of course, he always showed those flashes with the Kings, uh, but has been more consistent in Detroit uh, you know, consistent role. He's kind of the guy when he's healthy there. He, he you know, um, or at least should be the guy, right? Like, I mean, I know he's not like their scoring leader or anything like that. Wasn't even starting at the start of the season, but I think he's been their best all around player in terms of somebody who's consistent rebounding the ball, um, somebody who can hold their own defensively and, you know, do a lot of things really well for them. Boyan Bogdanovich is obviously their number one scorer and, 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 and they're, best all-around higher-volume player. Um, he's averaging over 20 points per game, shooting 40% from three. And I, to me, against the Wolves, a team that struggles on the glass, I think it's it's a huge deal whether or not Bagley plays. Um, the Wolves, of course, should win regardless against the nine-win team. Um, you know, returning home after this long road trip, you'd like to think the Wolves could beat the Pistons regardless of whether or not Bagley plays. But the Pistons aren't an outstanding rebounding team. They're still a better rebounding team on both ends of the floor than Minnesota. So it, it matters pretty significantly whether or not Bagley plays, in my opinion. Um, obviously, Isaiah Stewart, starting big for them, is a really good role player. Uh, 12 points, 8 rebounds per game. Um, an efficient player, high rebound rate. And, you know, he's he's going to be a problem for Minnesota as well. But I think it's a huge deal whether or not Bagley is able to play. Um. Bogdanovich is is very likely to be traded here before the trade deadline, but he's been really, really good in his first season with the Pistons. Um, I, I rattled off his numbers a minute ago, and he's the one primarily you have to worry about. Um, the Pistons offensively are actually a pretty good shooting team. Um, they're they're pretty middle of the pack in terms of three-point rate as well as percentage. They're 16th in overall team, the three-point percentage. So they can be dangerous offensively. Um, overall, and this is, again, the team with the worst record in the league, they're, they're 24th in offensive rating, but... They have a high ceiling related to their three-point shooting, and they're also number one in free throw rate. They get to the line more often, more frequently than any other team in the league, whether it's just straight attempts, free throw rate, which is based on you know factors in number of possessions. They're first. Now, they're only 20th in percentage, which is part of the reason their offense is only 24th overall in terms of offensive rating, but they get to the line a bunch, and they shoot a lot of threes at a decent percentage. So, there's a high ceiling, like a high a high variance with this Pistons offense. If they're on, I mean, you kind of have to look out. Like, they could be really good offensively. If Bogdanovich is having a good game. Their primary problem is, outside of Bogdanovich and, you know, whatever they're getting on a game-to-game basis from, like, say, Alec Burks off the bench for them, or um, Isaiah Stewart, or occasionally Marvin Bagley, they don't have a ton of, like, efficient support offensively. Um, Sadiq Bey, for instance, is supposed to be a 3-and-D guy. He's averaging 14 a game, but he's shooting just 40% from the floor and 32% from three. They don't get consistent role player help for Bogdanovich. And of course, defensively, they're just miserable. They're 29th in defensive uh, rating. They're 27th in turnover rate. They don't force turnovers. They're 27th in free throw rate, opponent free throw rate, meaning they foul a ton. Um, So kind of a young, somewhat, um, not undersized, but like they, they just don't, 
they, they don't have enough good individual defenders or experienced team defenders to be a good defensive team. So the Wolves should be able to get what they want offensively against Detroit. It's a matter of can they run them off the line, off the three-point line, and can the Wolves avoid getting into foul trouble? They'll, they'll likely put McDaniels on Bogdanovich on Saturday, and he's just got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, that's the most important thing. Now, I haven't mentioned Jaden Ivey yet. Of course, he's the exciting rookie, 15 points a game, you know, similar struggles efficiency-wise as you might expect uh, compared to a lot of other rookies, including, well, not a rookie, but young players like Cunningham or or Killian Hayes, 41% from the field, 31% from three, but an electric player with a hugely, uh, with a massively high ceiling. Um, So, you know, Ivy's another guy you got to look out for. I would imagine McDaniels checks Bogdanovich and they probably put Edwards on Ivy. Um, so there's still a lot of athleticism, a lot of talent here. Again, a really high offensive ceiling and a high variance on a night-to-night basis. So the Wolves will have to be on their game defensively against the Pistons, but they should be able to get whatever they want on offense. Um, and I'm it's honestly a little bit of a worrisome matchup for me on the second night of a back-to-back because of the Pistons youth and athleticism and the Wolves kind of lack of certainly their lack of attention to detail, but their inconsistency in terms of showing up and looking like they want to play. And this is a Pistons team. We don't know what's going to happen on Friday night for either one of these teams, but the Wolves are turning home after a long road trip, especially if they happen to win in Milwaukee on Friday night, taking on a young, energetic, exciting Pistons team that's going to likely have better legs on the second night of a back-to-back against a Wolves team that struggled with fatigue on the second night of a back-to-back, struggled with want to in general, but especially in the second night of a back-to-back. Can the Wolves bring energy to, you know, uh, uh, Chile, although not as chilly as it has been recently, target center on Saturday night, second night of a back-to-back against a young athletic team? I don't know. That worries me a bit, Um, especially if the Wolves win in Milwaukee on Friday. And, And I'll try not to suck the life out of a potential Timberwolves win on the postcast, but that's going to be a concern of mine. The Wolves beat Milwaukee. How do they face off against a bad Pistons team 24 hours later that has that offensive firepower? They could get hot and could score a bunch of points. Now you look at the Pistons schedule, um, three of their nine wins have actually, I'm sorry, two of their nine wins have come in overtime. They just lost in overtime to the Clippers. So they've played close games. They beat Dallas in overtime. They beat Charlotte in overtime. They took the Clippers to overtime before losing. Their other wins have come against Miami and Orlando, two teams that have struggled this year, but they've also beaten Denver and Utah on the road. Two good teams, right? They beat the Warriors at home and they beat the Magic and Thunder at home too. So about half of their wins have come against teams with winning records. Two of them have come in overtime. And again, they recently took the Clippers to overtime before beating the Magic. So they've played better of late. It wouldn't shock me if they beat the Bulls on the road Friday night and came to Minnesota feeling themselves um, and have a real opportunity to win a third consecutive game against the Wolves team also on the second night of a back-to-back. So uh, a tricky matchup for Minnesota, certainly a game they should win. Um, but the Pistons are certainly offensively better than you might expect given their record. Okay, I want to close the show with a Wolves mention in Zach Lowe's 10 things uh, over at ESPN, as well as some ownership notes. So we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, or that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you, so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. 
Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 per year. That's average. You could do better than that. Um, personally, I moved just a couple of months ago. I have, I don't know, too many subscriptions, things, streaming services that I don't watch as much. And uh, Rocket Money is the perfect solution to try and kind of whittle those down and realize what you don't need and only keep what you actually do. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash NBA. rocketmoney.com slash NBA. All right, let's close out today's show by talking um, Wolves, both ownership news, we'll we'll hit that first, and then some Zach Lowe stuff about the Wolves in his 10 Things article over at ESPN. First, the ownership news, uh, relatively minor in that it was expected, but I think still notable, but Alex Rodriguez and Mark Glory have exercised their option officially for their second 20% stake in the Wolves and Lynx. So they, of course, had their first 20% uh, took hold last year. They had an option by the end of this calendar year, by the end of 2022, to then um, get their next 20%. And they have until like mid-March to actually get the funds and, and officially, you know, make it official, official, uh, officially official. Um, so they've signaled their intention to continue that process, which is a good sign. I mean, it was expected, but of course there was some doubt cast. I think it was kind of like last summer, um, related to like whether or not they'd actually have the funds. So yeah, they have until March 15th to close the second 20%. I should say this was first reported by um, Sham Sharani and of course our our local friend, John Krasinski over at The Athletic. Um, so they've now, they will now as of March 15th have 40% ownership stake in the Timberwolves. And then the, the, the next 40%, they have until next New Year's Eve, December 2023 to exercise the option for the 40%. So they'll have 40% of, as of March 15th in these two 20% chunks, they get the other 40% next year, which of course would then give them, you know, do the math, 80% and controlling interest in the Wolves. As of this March 15th, they'll still just be at 40%. Glenn Taylor will own the majority of the rest of it. And ultimately Taylor will own roughly 20% once Lori and Rodriguez get their 80%. So um, this is all positive, right? It's, it's good to see this happen. There's nothing uh, really anything notable here there of course is that if they miss any payments they could always nullify and, and you know the the majority stake and and taylor could just keep them as limited partners um but it, it seems like you know all the reporting suggests that things are on track um you know they of course we know laurie and rodriguez have been involved we know how involved they were in the rudy gobert stuff uh the public comments they made of course they've been a bit quieter this year uh perhaps not so coincidentally with the Wolves just, you know, struggling along at 16 and 19 and the Gobert acquisition looking shaky. Um, but we'll see, we'll see where this goes, right? Uh, it, it all seems to be on track and, and we'll just keep an eye on that here moving forward. Um, the next thing is Zach Lowe over at ESPN does his weekly 10 things article, which is, uh, basically 10 notable things across the league, good things, bad things, et cetera. A couple of Wolves mentions, one was from the Wolves heat game, how Miami actually, milked the clock towards the end of the game and tried to use up as much of the final 26 seconds as they could, 27 seconds or whatever, um, 
ultimately the result was the Wolves still had a final possession with a chance to tie the game. Of course, they messed it up on a sideline out of bounds, but that was uh, an interesting note that involved the Wolves. But the most interesting one was one of Lowe's 10 things was about Nas Reed as a silver lining to the Wolves season. Lowe says, uh, he says, by the way, that it's not a quote, not, let me say that again, quote, not a full, full on disaster in Minnesota yet. And then he talks about them being afloat despite injuries and what he calls politely, politely calling out some roster fit issues. Um, it talks about how difficult the schedule is over the next three weeks, but then talks about Nas Reed. I think his take on Nas is a bit interesting. So I'll, I'll just read what he says. Lowe says, again, this is over at ESPN.com. He says, Nas is one of those backups at risk of getting buried under old school coaches who only see his flaws. Undersized at center, too slow to play power forward, so-so on defense. He's not a bouncy athlete and doesn't fit into any neat big man archetype. But Reed is a basketball player, smart, well-rounded, with good feel. And Chris Finch is the type of coach who sees sees strengths and searches for ways to make them sing. Um, He then goes on to talk about how good they are with Nas on the floor by himself as a big at center um, instead of with Rudy or with Cat. I agree with most of what he said. I've always thought of Reed as a little bit of an above average athlete for the position. Um, and I, I agree with so-so on defense, certainly undersized. He is rebounding at the best rate of his career. I think the good feel thing is really important. And I've talked about this a little bit on the show is Nas has really, really good feel with the ball in his hands. He's he's a solid passer, but I think it's more, you can tell that he's processing and knows, you know, where the passes need to be to be on time and on target, right? Where the cutters are, how to pass out of, you know, if he's short rolling, how to get the ball and kick it to the opposite corner. Like some of those kind of nuanced things that honestly Towns has struggled with. Um, Nas is better in, in some of those areas than Towns has for much of his career. I should, I should note, Towns has been great early this season before the injury, passing the ball. It seems like things have, the old cliche, things have slowed down for him in the half court for with the ball in his hands. But some of those things Nas is naturally good at. Now, some of those same things he's very good at on offense, those kind of um, less tangible things, you could just kind of tell the, the feel, it seems to be completely absent defensively. And I don't know that it's as much a mobility issue as it is, as it is, I'm not sure he always knows where to be and when defensively. Uh, he's become a decent weak side shot blocker, uh, but still he struggles um, in drop coverage where he needs to be, you know, again, better this year. But I, that to me is one of the more frustrating things with Nas because I think he's nimble enough on his feet to be effective on both ends of the floor at his size. I think the issue for me is that he hasn't applied the offensive IQ stuff to the defensive end of the floor. And I don't, I don't know why that is. And and for some guys it comes easier on the offensive end of the floor than it does defensively, but he's such a smart player on offense. And again, the feel is so impressive. It's frustrating to me. He can't be more effective defensively, especially in drop coverage. Um, and I guess it's similar to what I've said about towns all, all along as well. Um, it just feels like he needs to apply himself a bit more on the defensive end of the floor and the rebound rate has to stay up, right? It has to stay where it is now, um, versus where it had been for the first three seasons of his career. Okay, so go check that out. That's an insider article at ESPN. Zach Lowe's 10 Things. Uh, I think it was like number six in the article. So go check out that piece. I think it's it's uh, well done. And I always enjoy Zach's 
articles. Um, that's all we got for you today on the show. We'll do the live postcast after Wolves Bucks tonight. We'll do a live postcast after Wolves Pistons Saturday. So two shows this weekend, late Friday and late Saturday. You can catch those live about 45 minutes following the final horn of the game over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page. So subscribe to get notified when we go live. Marnie Gellner of Valley Sports North and myself. And then we'll post the postcast after the fact on all the audio feeds for Locked on Wolves. So you can listen to it there too. And if you are subscribed to Locked on Wolves, you'll get notified um, for that here over the weekend, both of those shows. And then, of course, we'll be back on track Monday through Friday, daily episodes next week. A big thank you to those of you that do make Locked on Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms and on the Locked on Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at Beacon. With two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now make Lockdown Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Bed Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.